You're listening to sermons from South Point Fellowship, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God, to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpointfellowship.org. Thanks, Carter. <laughs> Good morning, church family. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be up here this morning. Uh, we've had a lot of new visitors recently, so I thought I was going to have to like, introduce myself, but I think someone tipped them off and gave them a heads up that I was preaching, and so they're not here. And so uh, I'm glad to see the people here this morning, glad to see the familiar faces of people that we've been going to church together now for some of us for six, seven, eight years now. So it's a pleasure to be up here preaching to you guys this morning. Um, we're going to continue our look in the Psalms as we go through that this summer. And I want to ask you, what does your prayer life look like? I think for most Christians, our prayer life looks like one that's responding to emergencies. It's responding to requests just as they come in, just trying to get those needs met, whether they be like medical emergencies, material emergencies, if you're running out of food or clothes, whatever it may be, we're normally just responding to things that are happening in our life. And those are good things to pray for. You know, we have a a group chat among the elders here at South Point, and there's many texts that come in throughout the week of needs of the body, of people in medical help uh, or that, uh, that are in need, and we love to pray for those things. But this morning, I want to ask you, are you bold enough to pray for God to work in your life outside of those needs, outside of those immediate needs? Are you bold enough to pray that God would bless your life so that you may be a blessing to other people? So this morning, as we go over Psalm 67, I want to look at the psalm and pray, uh, preach this as a prayer blessing for us who are gathered here this morning, but not just so that we may be blessed for it to be a blessing itself, but so that we may go out and be a blessing to the other people around us, to the lost people here in Locust Grove and to the nations at large. Much has been given to us here in America. We sit here in comfortable AC and uh, nice lighting that's really bright and causes me not to be able to see anybody. Um, But we sit here very comfortable. Much has been given to us. So as a church, much is also going to be required of us. So are we bold enough to pray for that blessing so that we can be a blessing to others? So this morning, may we pray that God's blessing uh, on us so that we may be an effective in reaching everyone around us for the good news of the gospel to those here in Locust Grove and as far out as unreached people, groups, and places that we've never even heard of. So if you will, turn over to Psalm 67, if you haven't already, and we'll look at verse 1. It starts off this way, To the choir master with string instruments, a song, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. So, this, is, this should be familiar to you if you've been in church a while or even if you've been at South Point for a while. This verse is uh, aching back to the blessing that Aaron gives over the people of Israel that we see in Numbers uh, chapter 6. And I'll read that for you. But we, again, we've used this as our benediction many times. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to, gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
So the writer here in the psalm begins this song with a blessing read over the people of Israel so that they may be blessed by God. And I want us to see that we too this morning have been blessed by God. I want us to leave here confident in that truth and confident in who God is and what he has done so that we will head out of these doors on mission for his sake and for his kingdom's sake to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. If we can do that, church, we will be a blessing to the people around us. And this verse is important to us because it's really the lifeblood of any Christian. If we are being blessed by God, if, we, if his face is shining upon us, if, uh, if, if he's gracious to us, that's all we really need for our life here, right? And so this is our lifeblood, but it doesn't stop there. Because no amount of money, clothes, friends, family, as good as those things are, could ever compare with knowing God. But we're not, sit to, uh, we're not called to sit idly by after being blessed. We are called to be a blessing to the people and the nations around us because we have been transformed. And so we're going to pray this over us this morning. So the first thing we see, the first thing that we pray is that God will bless us. And the way we receive that blessing, and the psalmist shows us here, It's by God's grace. There's no merit that the psalmist can bring before God, and there's no merit that we can bring before God in order to receive his blessing. If we are blessed and we are, it's only by his grace. Everything that we have, every breath that we take, every gift that we have is by God's grace. And the other thing that we want to see in this verse is uh, the, the psalmist is bold. He approaches the throne of God. And that's almost borderline blasphemy if you really think about it, that we who have sinned against a holy God can go to him and request to be blessed by him is borderline blasphemous, church. And uh, I don't think we really feel that unless we feel the depth of our sin and the holiness of God. And so for us to be able to do that is purely by grace, and it's only through the work of Christ that we can do that. But because we can, we should be bold. We should go to the Father and request to be blessed. Um, I know a lot of us sometimes have that kind of like, almost like false humility, saying that we can approach the throne of God. I've sinned too much. And it's right and good that you recognize your sin, but also look what the Father has done by calling us into his family. He has given us permission to come to the throne. So, Get rid of that thinking that says you cannot approach God the Father and take heart and approach him with boldness. When the Father says, come to him, we should take heart and come to him. So we pray that he would bless us. And we pray that he would bless us so that we are transformed. If you look at verse 1, when he says, for his face to shine upon us. If you're familiar, what happens when God's face shines on someone? We see it happen a few times in Scripture, like in the, in the Old Testament with Moses. When he just gets a glimpse of the glory of God, he comes out shining. And when he goes into the tent of meeting with God, he has to come out and cover his face with his veil because he's been physically transformed by the presence of God. And Jesus, too, when he went to the Mount of Transfiguration and the Father was there and said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, Jesus walks, walks away with his robe shining white and his face radiant as well. So if God's face is shining on us, if we're praying for that to happen, that should lead to his transformation in our lives. People should look at us and know that we have been transformed by God the Father. And so, church, are you praying that you would be transformed by the presence of God? 
So we pray that he would bless us so that we are transformed. And then we pray that he would bless us so that we are a blessing to others. Moses, after he was transformed, was a blessing to the nation of Israel, right? He taught them God's commandments, led them in God's way, and intervened to God on their behalf. Jesus, after he was transformed, of course, was, um, was a blessing to others, to his disciples, and to the people he worked miracles on, and eventually to us by giving us the Spirit as a helper. So we are blessed for the sake of others as well as ourselves, and so as blessed people this morning, our prayer would be that that wouldn't stop there, but that we would, uh, that God would bless us so that all nations may know him. Look at verses two and three. He says that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So if verse one reminds us of the blessing that Aaron gave back in uh, Numbers, this verse should also make us very familiar with the New Testament and the Great Commission, right? This is a, a call of action that we want to be blessed in order that God's way may be known on earth, his saving power among nations. Um, that Great Commission that we know um, and if you don't, it's in Matthew 28. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so I just want to focus on that for a minute. That go is an action. It requires us to get up and go. It requires us to actually go out and do something. And making disciples is also an action that we can't sit idly by hoping will happen on its own. We have to be intentional. We have to be intentional with going. We have to be intentional with making disciples. And disciples are simply followers of Jesus. They're, they're followers of Jesus, and they've been transformed by his saving power. They put to death their sin. They confess and repent of it, and they turn away from it. And they make other disciples as well. And where do they do that? The Great Commission tells us they do it of all nations. So it's very reminiscent of what we're reading here in Psalm 67. This, this week I was listening to the news and um, I don't know if it's because it's the summer and summer travel's picking up, which is why there's like 50 people down here today. Um, but the top story was of the vaccine, right? And they were talking about how many countries the vaccine has reached, what percentage of that country have received the vaccine, um, when they expected the countries to get the vaccine. It was, it was everywhere this weekend. I mean, I know it's been a hot topic for a while, but it was everywhere I turned, they were talking about that and they are talking about the stats, and I was just thinking, like, they had, they're, they're talking about this thing, reaching all the people over the world so that the world can have some kind of rest, that the world can have some kind of peace. And this isn't to tell you to get it or not to get it, but it's to show the heart of the culture that they, they're worried about the vaccine getting to the ends of the world. And I was just, like, this contemplating, like, what if we were that concerned about the gospel going forth? What if we were thinking about the countries that have never heard the gospel what if we think about the percentage of people? Oh, there's only 30% in Romania who know the gospel. Let's go out there and get the other 70%. Um, but what, we have this thing that is the thing that brings peace, that brings rest. We have God's word. And right now the world is saying what the world needs is a COVID vaccine when really we know it needs the gospel. We need, they need God's revealed word through his scripture so that they may live by it so that they may know the saving power of God to a once lost sinner, so that they may be transformed by it to live a holy life, fully pleasing to God our Father. 
so that they may have a right relationship with God our Father, our Creator, in the way that He originally designed. In this knowledge, we see that once someone knows God, once they know His way, once they know His saving power, it should lead to praise among the nations, right? The right response to God's revealed will that we saw in verse 3 is praise. Praise for who He is and what He has done. But we don't stop there either. We don't want the nations just to know him. We pray this morning that the nations, or I'm sorry, we pray this morning that God will bless us so the nations might rejoice in his reign. Uh, Read verses four and five with me. It says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So now that the nations know him, right? That's the prayer in the first part. Now that the nations know him, his ways and his saving power, how will they respond? How will they respond? And they could respond rejecting God. And then if they do, we get the negative of what this verse talks about. There would be no peace, no joy. And they would want to be the ones responsible for justice. I'm going to touch on that in a moment, but I think that's what we see in the culture today people not trusting God to be the one who dispenses justice. They want to carve out what is right and wrong and what is right and good in their own eyes. But our prayer this morning is that the nations seeing us being blessed by God would respond rejoicing so that we would see the positive effect from this verse, that they would have peace that comes from the blessing of God, that they would have joy, that they would trust God for justice because he does rule with equity, that they would trust God for guidance. And so, like I said, we see that split in the culture today. When you think about justice, people want to make sure that um, they get justice now, that they get the guilty person, that they're willing to lock up, put away an innocent person as long as one guilty person doesn't escape because they feel like there must be justice now. But we trust in the God that knowing that even if a guilty person gets away according to our standards, that we know that there will be justice on the day of judgment. And that's either found in resting in Christ or facing the wrath of God for your sin. So we, we can trust God that his justice will be poured out. We think about the LGBTQ movement, right? They think they know which way is right for them. They want to carve out their own path. And it's not just them. We do it too. We think we know what is right. We look to do things according to our own ways, a lot of times apart from scripture, and try to justify it ourselves. So we can look at extremes, but we also need to know that we need to submit to God ourselves and and know that we cannot do it our own way. If we want the nations to be glad and sing for joy, though, we have to show them what it's like to trust God. And so we have to, they must know first the consequences of their sin, which will initially lead to sorrow when you confront someone with where their sin leads them. But the saving power of God's grace should turn that sorrow into joy, that God was gracious to us and made made a way for us to be reconciled. And again, this truth, as we see in verse 5, should lead to praise. And the repetition here just underscores how appropriate the response of praise is to God for his power and and for just who he is. 
I think about David, um, you know, and the way he praised God when the ark was returned to the nation of Israel, right? He stripped off his royal clothes and danced in the street to the embarrassment of his wife. But he couldn't help but to respond with praise for what God was doing for the nation of Israel. And so I'm just wondering, like, do we have that same kind of response for what God is doing in our life? Do we rejoice with people when God is at work in our lives and it's very evident? Will other people see us and want to join in praise because they too know how uh, worthy God is? Are we giving credit to the one who gives all things or are we trying to take the credit for ourselves? So my, my question is, are we earnestly desiring that all nations come to not only know him, but to rejoice in his reign? Are we showing them that he is a good God and rules with justice and fairness according to his nature and his holiness? Are we showing them that he can be trusted as a li- uh, by, by living as an example that we too trust in him? Are we spending time in prayer for the lost people around us? Do we really think that they need this in order to have peace and joy? Or are we just kind of complacently sitting by, unconcerned with the people around us who have no clue about the gospel? But they do need that. They do need that. So we pray that God will bless us so that the nations will hear the news and rejoice in his reign. And finally this morning, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7, where we pray that God will bless us so that all nations will fear him. Verse 6 says this, The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So you might think that this is like a weird way for the psalm to end, right? And how do these two things relate? You have the earth yielding its increase and being blessed by God, and then it says, let all the earth fear him. And it can look strange, but consider the following. The psalmist starts off requesting God's blessing, but now he's resting in the surety of it. He's resting on the promise that God loves his children and will bless them. And so he's telling us now to fear the God who can provide, the God that is sustaining and providing for us. The earth has yielded its increase. He's telling us to fear a God who has the saving power to save a, a sinner who has rebelled against a holy God. And he's saying to fear the God who is able to bless us. And so if he can do that, the one who can give and take away, he is the one who is worthy of being feared. And and there's appropriate ways and times for all to fear God. For some, it's those who are still in rebellion to him should fear him. Those of us who are not walking in the light, if we're promoting a false gospel, They're all legitimate reasons to fear God. Even for the believer, we should fear God because he is a strong and mighty God who is righteous and pure, and we are sinners who have disobeyed and rebelled against him. But if we are trusting God, rightfully fearing him leads to security. Psalm 118.6 says this, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So how sweet it is to fear God and not man. And Jesus relays that to us as well in Matthew 10, uh, where we are to put our fear. Jesus says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. 
but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you're more value than many sparrows. So everyone who, will, who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. So even when we're called to fear God, we were reminded that as his children, our fear is of one of wonder and awe at the sheer graciousness and righteousness and holiness of God our Father. We stand in fear and wonder at this great God who does so much for us, who is sovereign over all things. But the true fear, the way we think of it, ter- like fear from terror, is reserved for the unbelievers at the time of judgment. When instead of proclaiming praises to the God who saved you, rejoicing that his face shines on you, you're begging mountains and the rocks to fall on you and hide you from his face, from the, uh, from the one who sits on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb. The Revelation goes on to say that for that great day, their wrath has come and who can withstand it? So God is great and greatly to be feared. So may he be made known among the nations and may they come to fear him before that great day is coming. And may he bless us this morning to that end. So church, we pray these things this morning so that we might be effective disciples for the kingdom of God, so that we would see the people around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus and that all nations may know him and have joy because they know the God who created them they know his ways and that they've been helped be made known through us. And so just real quick, three points of application I see from this psalm. The first is this, is to seek God's blessing. Again, be bold to approach the throne and ask to be blessed by God. Approach it with confidence and seek that blessing. Again, not for your own sake, but seek it that, so that you may be a blessing to others. Seek it in accordance with God's will. Next is to seek to bless others. Others should be blessed by Christians. We should not be a hindrance to people, but we should be a light to, to people. When we see our brothers struggling, we should be uh, reminding them of the gospel and the work of Christ in their life. We should be reminding them of God's word and his saving power. And next, we should seek out lost people. Our hope is to be blessed, again, isn't for ourselves, but for the glory of God and for other people's salvation. So we need to be a light to the world of darkness around us. God has been gracious to us. How could we not want to let others know about how gracious God is and tell them the way of salvation? Seek out lost people because that great day of wrath is coming. And no one facing that wrath on their own can withstand it. But a people resting on the finished work of Christ can face that day because the wrath for our sin was poured out on Jesus on the cross as he took our punishment so that we could be made right with God, so that sinners can be reconciled to a holy God. And it's solely based on his grace towards us. And so what a blessing it is to have a renewed heart and a renewed mind. And if you have not been transformed by the gospel, I would plead for you to turn to Christ. His grace is not far off. You can turn to him today and repent from your sins and trust in Christ to forgive you. God's family is made up of many redeemed sinners, all redeemed sinners, right? Who were once lost and dead in their sins, just as you are if you're not trusting in him.
So do not wait until that day, until the wrath of the Lamb is being poured out, but look to him now with the grace he dispenses graciously to those who are once his enemies. So for those of us who are resting in him now, let us be reminded that we are a blessed people and we can go confidently to our Father and ask him to continue to bless us. And let's do so with the heart of a transformed saint, seeking to serve the Father in his kingdom so that all nations know him, rejoice in his reign, and fear him. 